part two of our bodybuilder series. If you weren't here for part one, we've entered this series uh, talking about building the body of Christ. What does it mean to build the body of Christ? Last week, we said that each one of us has a piece, and we need your peace. Uh, we, we handed out uh, Lego pieces. There's a few more if you weren't here last week, but we handed out Lego pieces as a representation of what that is. We all have something that God has called us to do, and here in this local body and in the body of Christ, we need your peace. Pastor Keenan, what's my peace? Well, we went over that. We said that God has given each one of us a gift, a gifting, and we need that gifting. Limitless church needs that gifting. The body of Christ needs that gifting. The city of Woodland needs that gift. And the scripture says that when all of those pieces come together, when they all come together, something amazing happens. It says that we are all built up, that we all begin to walk in a perfected kind of love. And that's what God desires for us. That's what he desires for his body. We gave the analogy of an actual body. I told a story about uh, splitting my toe in half. You listen to the podcast. But uh, we all have these different pieces that make up this one body. Our arms, our legs, our six packs. Don't worry about that. Uh, all of these different pieces make up the body, but we are one person. And just as it is with the body of Christ, we all have these different gifts, these different pieces that come together to make up one body. And so we talked about those spiritual gifts. We said that those what uh, spiritual gifts are gifts of grace that God gives through the Spirit to build up and to edify the church. And they're meant to be used by a believer or a group of believers in service of other believers. We all have these things. Um, I want to start today uh, at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Jeff, you got my, my water, if you could bring it up for me. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, Every believer has received grace gifts. So not some believers, not a few believers, not select believers. It says every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. He says, uh, for example, if you have a, a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have a gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength that God gives you so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. And so we talked about having these gifts. We, we talked about how these gifts are important and what that means. And tonight, I want to answer this question. Because this is the question that you have after a sermon like last week. You said, now I know I'm a part of the body. We've made that clear. I understand that I have a piece. I have a gift that God has given me. But how do I find out what it is? 
How do I use it? What does it look like for me to walk in that gift? And I think that's a great question that you had. And we all have, uh, we have these examples. And I've always been a person, I never want to assume or try to figure it out. But we have these examples in this great book that God has given us of people who walked in their gift. And so I want to look at a few familiar examples and see if there are a few things that we can pull from these people who are walking in their gift. And now it would be easy for me to find somebody who just had a great gift and they walked and had an easy path and for me to show you, hey, this is what it looks like to walk in your gift. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. So let's start in Luke. I like to start in Luke chapter 10 and I want to start at verse 38. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. We're going to talk about Martha and Mary. Here we go. Uh, Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. She's chosen that to, or which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I know that if you've been in church in any amount of time, if you went to vacation Bible school, if you went to Sunday school, you've heard this story before. And so it can be easy to breeze over this and say, Pastor, I heard this. Uh, But if we take a deeper look, I believe that there are some lessons about gifting that we can pick up in this story. People, when they tell this story, most people, they say, you know what, Uh, uh, Martha was hating on Mary, uh, uh, and that's all it is to it. But in actuality, Martha had a gift. Martha had a gift that she was given and that she enjoyed walking in, that she liked to operate in. Martha had a gift of servanthood. More specifically, she had a gift of hospitality. Now, I told this story before. I have a couple of uh, family. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I got a couple of family members in my family who have a gift of hospitality because y'all be over their house all the time. Uh, But I have people in my family who have a gifting of hospitality. When you walk in, it smells good. They're they're excited to see you. All the pillows is in the right place. And and you go into the bathroom and it's like, oh, this is, is, I feel like I stepped into a hotel. And they take pride and happiness in serving people and making people feel good and cooking good food and having people over. They have that, that gifting. And so Martha had this gifting. But the problem wasn't that uh, Martha had this gifting or she was operating in this gifting. The problem that we see pointed out was her attitude or her heart while she was operating in her gift. 
It was her heart or her attitude while she was operating in her gift. Here's my, my first point. Your attitude or your heart condition is vital to operating in your gift. Your attitude... The condition of your heart while you're serving, the condition of your heart is vital to you being able to operate in your gift. I have traveled, most of you know that I'm a Christian hip-hop artist and I've traveled around the world. Let me tell you something, I've met some nasty singers. I have met some people that will bring the house down and their attitude will do the same that will shout it down, that love God, and oh, this is, you know, oh, and, and, and when they step off of stage, just nasty. This is not what God desires. And then the same ones will say, well, Lord, I don't understand why, you, why I haven't made it here or why I haven't done this or, or why am I going through this? Why? It is because your attitude or your heart condition is vital to you operating in her gift. The scripture says Martha was busy and distracted with her serving responsibilities. She was busy and distracted with her serving responsibilities. I'm already at point two. Be aware of distractions. Be aware of distractions. When you have a gift, when you have this opportunity to, to minister or to show the love of God to people, do you really think the enemy is just going to let you just do that? Just because you're nice? No. He intentionally will bring distractions and things to distract you along the way so that you don't operate in what God has you to do. Why? Because you're so focused on the distractions that you're not focused on what God is saying. Be aware of distractions. We have to be conscious of the enemy's attempts to use busyness, to use other people, and other distractions to get our eyes off of what we've been called to do. We have to be conscious and be aware of this. Ultimately, our gifts are for the edification of the body of Christ and to show the love of God to those who need to know Jesus. We can't get so tied up in the responsibilities of what we do that we forget why we're doing it. We get tied up in the minutiae. We get tied up in the semantics of what we're doing, and we forget why we're doing it. We can't get so caught up in the what that we lose sight of the why. Uh, I, I can imagine Martha there. She's, I got to cook this food for Jesus, and I, I got to get this plate together because Jesus is here, and I got to get this thing. And she missed the point. Jesus is here. You got so tied up in the doing that you're about to miss Jesus. All of the gifts that we've been giving, all of the things that God has given us are great gifts to the body of Christ. So long as we operate in those gifts with the right heart, with the right attitude. Because the moment that attitude changes, 
people begin to notice. And you know who notices before people? God notices. We have to have a good attitude. Distractions, be aware of distractions. Uh, Martha told Jesus, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Martha took her eyes off of what she was called to do and put it on what other people were doing. She, 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 we can't get mad when people don't serve like we serve. We, we, we can't get mad when people don't, 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 don't do what we think they should do. Martha thought that cooking and preparing was important. Mary thought that sitting of the people, uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus was important. We can't get upset when we don't see others thinking what we think is most important. We can't get upset when they don't do what we think is most important. They may not serve like you do, and that's okay. They may not shout like you do, and that's okay. They may not usher like you do, and that is okay. When we remain focused on what we've been called to do, and we're not distracted, we, we, we do what Jesus called accepting the good part, that which is to our advantage. And Jesus' response uh, to walking in that is that it will not be taken away from you. Our attitude. Another thing that, that I saw here, uh, uh, you know, when she's talking to, to, to Jesus, first of all, is it of no concern to you that my sister left me to do the serving alone? Another thing about distractions is it'll cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do if you weren't distracted. Because me personally, if I would have been there when Jesus, I Jesus, who's she talking to? She talking to? She, she was talking to me, Jesus. She wasn't talking to you. She clearly wasn't talking to Clearly, Martha, you wasn't talking to Jesus, right, Martha? You was talking to me? Why? Because when you're distracted, right, when, when you're not focused on what's happening, it will cause you to do and say things that you wouldn't normally do. My mama would have said, you outside your mind. You got to be outside your mind. You got to be outside your mind talking to Jesus like that. But that's what distractions will do. We're not focused. We're not really knowing what's going on because we're so distracted. No, we have to be aware of those things that the enemy is throwing at us. We got to remain focused. We have to remain focused. Let's look at another example. Um, Let's go to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Here we go. Jonah chapter 1, start verse 1 through 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim judgment against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as a prophet. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to 
Tarshish, the most remote of the Phoenician trading cities. So he paid the fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea, and there was a violent tempest on that sea, so the ship was about to break up. Oh, Jonah, bless your heart. Here we see another familiar story in Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. He had a gift of prophecy, right? He, he was sent to give a word to the people of Nineveh. The Lord had given him something, and he said, go to Nineveh. But again, right here, we see attitude comes into play again. Because of his attitude towards the people of Nineveh, and his knowledge of the grace of God, he decided not to walk in his gift and ran away in the opposite direction of what God said. But here, verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. In his disobedience, he put other people's lives in danger because of his refusal to walk in his gift. Not walking in your gifting not only affects you, but it also affects all of those who are supposed to be ministered to by your gift. We can't afford to be selfish. We can't afford to be disobedient because there are other people's lives who need to be ministered to by you walking in your gift. Let's continue in the story. We, 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 uh, uh, we were in a verse verse 4. Let's go down to uh, uh, verse 11. So he's in the ship and, and it's a lot going on and they figure out that it's Jonah. Um, uh, and in verse 11, we pick it up. They said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will become calm for us? For the sea was becoming more and more violent. Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm. For I know that it is because of me that the storm has come upon you. Well, you shouldn't have got in in the first place. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard, breaking through the waves to return to land. But they could not because the sea became more violent, surging high against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, please do not let us perish because of taking this man life and do not make us accountable for innocent blood for you O Lord have done as you please so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging then the men greatly feared the Lord they offered a sacrifice and made vows now the Lord had prepared appointed or destined a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights because of Jonah's disobedience, he had to spend some time in some mess. Literally. He had to spend some time in some mess. Jonah had to spend some time in the belly of a fish. Please understand, even when you don't want to walk in your gift, but you still do, God can do miracles. However, 
When you choose not to walk in your grip, in agreement with your nasty attitude, ignoring what God has said, God may have to take you through some crazy. God may have to take you through some mess to teach you some things. And my question is this, what crazy is it? What mess is it that you're going through because you refuse to do what God has called you to do? What mess are you going through? Because you simply refuse to do what God has called you to do. Has your lack of obedience stopped you from seeing your gift? Have your lack of obedience stopped you from seeing your gift? Let me, let me keep going. Okay, uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, in case you don't know the story, chapter 2 is a whole uh, story of, of Jonah praying because he was in the belly of the fish and ain't much you can do uh, down there. So the whole chapter 2 is him praying. So we pick it up in, in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the, the Lord is so gracious. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, go to Nineveh, the great city, and declare it the message which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah went to Nineveh in accordance with the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days walk, about 60 miles. Then on the first day's walk, Jonah began to go through the city and he called out and said, 40 days more remain. And then Nineveh will be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed and trusted in God, and they proclaimed a fast and, and put on sackcloth and penitent mourning from the greatest even to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh of Jonah's message from God, he rose from his throne, took off his robe, covered himself in sackcloth in the dust, issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no man, animal, herd, flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink, but man and animal must be covered, and everyone is to call on God earnestly and forcefully that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn in compassion and relent and withdraw his burning anger uh, so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds and that they turned from their wicked way, then God had compassion and relented concerning the disaster which he had declared that he would bring, and he did not do it. Again, this theme about the condition of your heart. We see how Jonah's attitude changed, and, and he prayed, and he sought God, and he, he had a change of heart. And because of him deciding to walk in his gift, 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh's lives were saved, and hearts were rededicated to God. We have to be aware that our giftings are never about just us. We are gifted so that other people can be edified, that they can be built up, and that they can be shown the love of God. It's not just about us. Our gifts just aren't for us so that we can, you know, be known or so we can say that we have a title and that we did this and we did that. It's never about that. It's what God is using us and what he's doing through us to get to other people. Yeah. 
We say it here all the time. We are the hands and feet of Jesus here on this earth. Our gift isn't about us. It don't matter what you do. You, you, if you usher in, guess what? There, there's, there's, there's a gift that God has given you to serve people. Because somebody you're going to walk into that you're going to see their face and you're going to say, hey, it's good to see you. I'm so happy I saw you. And they're going to break down crying because they didn't feel seen. And because you decided to walk in your gift, they came to church and they felt seen. And they felt the love of God like never before simply because you said, hey, it's nice to see you. It's not just about you. Doesn't matter where you are or what the gift is that God has given you. If it's singing, if it's hospitality, it's not just about you. We are gifted so that the body of Christ can be built up. We are gifted so that the city of Woodland can be gifted, be lifted up. We we are we are uh, walking in this gift. Why? So that our families can be edified. So that our marriages can be edified. So that our children can be edified and shown the love of God. What does it look like? What does it look like to walk in our gift? So we said our our attitude and our heart condition is vital. We said that we have to be aware of distractions. But what will it look like, Pastor Keenan? What will it look like? I need some, some specifics. I need some, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I want to walk in it. Give me some specifics. What will it look like as I walk in my gift? Now, what I will say is that each gift looks different. And so to walk in your gift, each thing will look different. But there are some things uh, that, that we will all have in common. What does it look like to walk in my gift? First, I will say that for a season, it may look like failure. It may look like failure. And I'm going to say it because most pastors ain't going to tell you that. They're going to say, oh, no, it's going to be good. And God's going to use you. And you're going to be high among the people. And you're going to walk in the gift and it's going to be awesome. No. For a season, it may look like failure. Every single person of faith who has ever done anything great went through a process that came through failures. I know it's a hard pill to swallow. You don't get amens when, when some pastors say you, it's not, it's going to be good. I get that. I understand that. Uh, uh, but every person that we see in the Bible went through failure. Pastor, I don't believe you. Okay, all right, I got you. No problem. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 17. Because you would assume that if anybody wasn't going to go through failures, that it wouldn't be the disciples. Because, I mean, Jesus is right there with you, right? Jesus is right there with you. Matthew 17, verses 14. uh, And when they came to the crowd... A man came up kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Here we go right here. This has got to be embarrassing. Verse 16, and I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. 
the disciples that was with Jesus himself that walked with Jesus, that saw Jesus operate, and the, the, the disciples that wrote this, this Bible, the New Testament that we're, we're reading right now, these same disciples were with Jesus, but still had to walk through a process of failure. We, we, we talked about the story where they're on the boat and Jesus is asleep, and they wake Jesus up. Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? And Jesus says, come on, guys. That's the Keenan version. That's not what exactly what it says, but that's, that's the summation of what he said. Come on. Do you still have little faith? Are you still struggling with faith? Even the disciples. We see David. David went through a process of failure. Samson Hallelujah. Went through a process of failure. Moses went through a process of failure. And we see even the disciples who were with Jesus walked through failures. But we must understand that failure is a part of the process of growth. Failure is a part of the process of growth. But we don't quit in failure. We grow in failure. We don't just give up, cave in, and quit when something goes wrong. No, we get, get up, dust yourself off, and get back and do it again. You, you know, uh, uh, um, very quickly, when I, when I first started, uh, uh, when I believed that God had given me the, uh, the gift to, to rap or to minister through music in the uh, form of rap, um, it's, it's going to be hard to believe. But when I started, I wasn't great. <laughs> I was pretty bad. Like on a scale of one to 10, I was a negative five. Um, I, I have CDs. Unfortunately, my mother keeps everything. She's w watching right now. Hallelujah. She keeps everything. And it's always a humble reminder because I have CDs of some of my very first songs. And I would listen to them and I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. I thank you, God, for, for failures, but I thank him even more for growth, Amen. right? Because if I'd have just stopped at that first song or if I'd have stopped when somebody said, ah, that's, that's not great, or if I, if I stopped when I felt like it wasn't going the way uh, that, that I felt that it should go, I never would have got to a place where I was traveling around the world telling people about the love of Jesus. When I'm in Amsterdam or if I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bahamas or, 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 if, or no matter where I am and I'm sitting here standing on a stage, telling people about the love of Jesus. But if I'd have stopped then, yeah. I never would have made it yeah. to where I am. Yeah. We don't stop in failures. We grow yeah. through failures. Our failures allow God to teach us. It allows God to, to shift things and point out things in us that, and teach us things that we need to grow in our gifting and it also develops character. Yeah. Failures develop the character that we need to sustain the gift that we're walking in. Uh -huh. A lot of times people's gifting takes them farther than their character will allow them to stay. Wow. And we wonder why we see people and they're up here for the moment and then the next you yeah. don't. Right. Character growing in this process so it looks for a season 
it may look like failure. Secondly, it looks like faith and obedience. It may look like failure for a season, but it definitely will look like faith and obedience. I think of Abraham having to take his son up to the mountain. Think of Moses as he's at the Red Sea with the Israelites and the Egyptians are are right on his heels. I think of Peter as he sees Jesus and he begins to take that first step out of the boat. Whenever we look at people who the Lord used greatly to do great things, they all had a time where their faith had to come and encounter with their obedience. You can have all the faith you want, but until you encounter it, until you uh, get to the place where it meets your obedience, it's good for nothing. I'm going to get in trouble, but I got to tell this story. There, 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 uh, there's a uh, story of a, <laughs> half of y'all might not get this, but there's a story of this Kojic Baptist convention, and there's this pastor, and this pastor, uh, uh, his car broke down. It was, it was, he had to go through the desert. This, this convention was in Vegas. Well, I was in Vegas. I don't know. But um, he, he, his car breaks down. And he has to walk in the hot desert to get to the convention. Now, there was no water around. And, 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 and he began to walk. And he got to this place where, where he was almost about to die. And, and, and someone found him. And they, they bring him to the convention. And, and he gets there. And, 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 and there's a, a table. And they bring him this glass pot and this water. And they got these cups of water and these bottles of water. And he says, I believe that if I drink this water that I'm going to be all right, that I'll be made whole. And he says, he says, I believe, and it was a cogent convention, so he started talking a lot. Pastors just started circling around, people started coming around him. He says, I believe that if I drink this water, uh, that I'll be made whole. And they say, all right, say something now. You preach it, you preach it. He says, I believe <laughs> that if I drink this water, <laughs> that I'll be made whole. <laughs> and then he died. Because all that faith never came in contact with any obedience. And this is not a real story. The pastor didn't die, but, you know. But we can't just talk about it. We can't get excited about it. And Oh, you know what? God has called me to do this. God, I believe the Lord is sending me, and, and I'm going to step out, and God's going to do it. And I'm just excited about it because we're always excited. That's a, I'm excited that God is just going to do it. But God's like, I told you to do it. Why are you still talking about it? (laughs) Because we can get excited about the faith, but we don't match it with obedience. It doesn't matter. It looks like faith and obedience. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Luke chapter 5, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, uh, put it out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon said, "Uh, Master, we worked hard all night long to the point of exhaustion. 
and caught nothing in our nets. Here we go. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. See, there's obedience right there. There's obedience right there. When he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they had to signal to their other partners in the boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish so that they began to sink. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put it out a little distance from the shore. He sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. That he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had got out of them and were washing their nets. Now it happened that while Jesus, by, while Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding all around him and listening to the word of God. One man's obedience. See, sometimes obedience looks like doing what you did the first time. God, you don't understand. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. He says, I know. Do it again. Well, God, I don't understand why you would say that. Yeah, you're not supposed to. That's why I says my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. It's in here. (laughs) Obedience. Thirdly, it looks like relationship. Wait, let me, let, me, let me go back. God's blessings sometimes come as a result of our willingness to do something that appears very insignificant. Something small, something. Sometimes those things come because we do something that seems small, just a small level, small place of obedience. As we walk in our gifting, there will be moments where we and our flesh are not sure of what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. Has anybody been there before? You say, I don't know what the Lord telling me to do, but I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm just going to do it. We will have those moments, and it is imperative that we continue to walk by faith and be obedient to what the Lord has told us to do. People ask me all the time. I had a conversation today, and a gentleman was asking me, he said, uh, what in the, and I was, I was giving a testimony about our church. He said, what in the world is going on? Oh, he said, what's the secret? I need to know the secret. And I said, this is going to be one of the most disappointing conversations you have today. (laughs) So let me tell you, I have no idea what is going on. I am simply here for the ride. I don't know the destination. I don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I am choosing to walk by faith and be obedient to what God has told me to do. And that is it. And I am seeing the result of that, not because of my knowledge, not because, oh, you know, I have a great plan and I, I am a great leader and I execute wonderfully. No, it has nothing to do with none of that. It is simply I am walking by faith 
and choosing to be obedient. I'm sitting on the passenger side with my seatbelt on. I'm not backseat driving, holding on to my seatbelt, and we get there when we get there. Faith and obedience. And lastly, lastly, it looks like relationship. It looks like relationship. The entirety of anything that we do in this life of faith, especially walking in the gifts that God has given you, it starts with having a relationship with the giver of the gift. It starts with relationship. If you look at any gift that you have given, baby shower, birthday, anniversary, whatever gift it is that you have given, that gift came out of relationship with the person that you gave the gift to. Charity is a gift given from strangers, but gifts are given to those who are in relationship. Matthew chapter 7 says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? God deals in relationship, not charity. He deals in relationship. Charity is given without relationship. And some of us want the gift with no relationship. God gives us spiritual gifts, not spiritual handouts. He doesn't want you on the side of the road begging for a handout. He wants you on your knees having a relationship with him so that you can walk in your gift. Beggars are on their butts with their hands out defeated. Conquerors are on their knees with their hands up surrendered to God. God didn't send his son into the world so that you could be a charity case. He sent his son into the world so that you could be a conqueror. It starts and ends with relationship. And I know for some of you, you might say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm writing all this down. I get this thing, but I, I don't understand. I've tried everything. I don't have a gift. And I would say perhaps it's that not that you don't have one. It's that you've neglected to find out what it is because your relationship with Jesus just stopped at salvation. Relationship is a continual thing. God says, I have more to offer. Yes, I sent my son so so that you could enter into relationship with me. But baby, that's just the beginning. That ain't it. I, 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 I have gifts. I have blessings evermore that's in store for you. But those things come out of relationship with me. We're trying to figure out why don't I have this and why don't I do that and why can't this and why can't that. It comes through relationship. 
Well, I've been trying to, to get it right, and I've been trying to do this, and I, I, I don't understand. I've been trying to kick this habit. I've, I've been trying to get my marriage together. I've been, I've been trying to do this thing that I really feel the Lord had called me to do, but I can't figure it out. It happens through relationships. Yes, there will be some failure. Yes, you're going to have to walk in faith. And that faith is going to have to come in contact with some obedience. But you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just this initial thing of you believing on him and you accepting him as your savior. There's a relationship that has to take place. There has to be nurture. There has to be time spent with him so that you know what he's saying, so that you can hear what he's calling you to do, so that you can hear what it is that he says, hey, this is what I want you. This is how I want you to move so that he can allow you to be discerning. Salvation is the greatest gift that you will receive, but it's not the only one. He's like, I got, I got, I, ooh, child. He says, I want you to walk in that. That thing that you, that desire that I put on the end. Guess what? I put the desire inside of you in the first place. I want you to walk in that, but I, it's dangerous if you try to walk in the gift without the person who gave you the gift. It starts with relationship. I encourage you, I beg of you, engage in a relationship with Jesus. Just like we, for those of us who are married, when we were dating and we started that relationship, we, you know, we was excited to pick up the phone. You get that text message? Oh, that's just me? All right, fine. I was excited when my wife texts me. I was excited when I got a phone call. No, you get off the phone. No, you get off the phone. No, you get off the phone. Excited when I got an opportunity to see. I just want to talk and, and just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. What was I doing? I was developing a relationship. And God says, if you want to walk into things that I, the good gifts that I have for you, then you need to engage in relationship. And if you try to engage in, 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 in the gifts without the relationship, you will fail. If you try to live this life without the author of this life, you will fail. If you try to do it without him, I promise you that it's just this downward spiral that you will continue to go on until you make a decision to not just accept him, but make him a Lord of your life to have a relationship with Jesus. Something happens when you come in contact with somebody who know him. Who know, you, 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 ever, you ever had somebody pray for you and you're like, oh, I know they know Jesus. Come on. It's not that God is a respecter of persons. It's just that that person is engaged in a relationship with him. Because when I, when I wake up in the morning, I got to talk to him. I got to thank him for, for waking me up. When, when I get home, I got to thank him because cause he allowed me to get home. And, and I got a roof over my head and, and I got clothes on, on, on my back. And I got, I got a car outside. I got shoes on my feet. I got I to thank him for the food I'm eating and the bills that he paid. And, and, and I'm engaging in this relationship. I'm spending time with him. 
And as I spend time with him, I, I get to know him. I get to get to know his ways. I get to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And I don't do the things that he doesn't like because I, I want to stay in, in, in favor. I want to stay in that grace. And, and then he begins to, to show me, hey, I've created you to do this. Let me show you how to walk in this. Let, let, me, let me tell you why, why this is important. You know what? Let me, let me speak to you. Let me, let me. I've engaged in relationship. Everything in your gift, I don't care what it is, it begins and ends in relationship. 